God bless you. Amen. Let's just stand. Amen. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again in one accord. Well, something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. And several requests upon my heart and just let them know I'm an uplifted hand have people I know getting surgeries and wayward son anyway if you have a request upon your heart make it known this evening do you want to hear something from God tonight amen let's pray Lord we love you Father this evening worship you Lord you're so good to us you seek us out, you find us, reveal yourself to us, Lord. And Lord, as we gather this evening in the name of Jesus Christ, we just look to you that you would fill all the needs of our hearts. Lord, we just want to lift up praise and honor and glory to you that you would be pleased with us, let you know that we are on your side, Father. And Lord, we are so grateful for what you're doing in this day and in time in our lives. 
And Lord, as we bring up these requests before you, Father, surgeries and Father, our, our loved ones that we're praying for, Father, we thank you that you hear, that you bend down your ear, so we will pray. You asked us to ask you. We ask for many things. We don't want to be short of any benefits or privilege that you've given to us, Father. We thank you for the cheerful giver as we collect the tithes and offerings this evening. Lord, bless the ministering of your word, Father. Bless your people, Father. We love you. We worship you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Is in store. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. One more time. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. In one accord. Oh, something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again, just praising the Lord, is setting me free, this Holy Ghost power is setting me free. I'm 
rejoicing night and day as I walk this pilgrim way for the hand of God in all my life I see. That was 
still amazes me. Steve. 
how many ready for the word? Amen. Let's sing a little bit of um, He Paid a Debt He Did Not Owe. I believe that's in the key of C. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song amazing grace all day long Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay oh he paid a debt on Calvary he cleansed my soul and set me free. I'm glad that Jesus did all my sins erase. I now can sing a brand new song, amazing grace all day long. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could well, one day he's coming back for me to live with him eternally. Only be glory to see him on that day. Brand new song. Amazing grace all day long, Christ Jesus, that I could never pay. Oh, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone. To wash my sins away And now I sing a brand new song Amazing grace all day long Christ Jesus paid a debt That I could never pay I need you, Lord. Let's just worship the Lord for a few moments. Amen. I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. 
I lift my hands and bow my knees and worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I Let's just close our eyes and worship him for a few minutes. I lift my hands and bow my knees and worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. We lift our hands and bow our chapter 6 if you have your Bible amen we'll go straight to the word tonight Hosea chapter 6 amen God bless you good to be here in the house of the Lord amen just uh, been just um, so looking forward to being here and just uh, felt the presence of the Lord even there right when I walked onto the platform so I know that that's just a result of people who are hungry amen and have hungry hearts amen so we just want to um now to the Lord. We just uh, want to remember my dad, who we'll have prayer for at the end of the service here, just uh, had flu-like symptoms. I was uh, set to preach, I think, anyway, but he uh, uh, came down with the flu and, and flu-like symptoms, and so he's at home streaming, so we want to be remembering him. My daughter, uh, Amariah, also uh, got real sick um, just with stomach things, and so want to just be remembering her, amen, and those of maybe that uh, will be 
we'll pray for afterwards. If you want to get a prayer request turned in, uh, you can turn that in. Just send that in as soon as you can, and we'll make sure we have prayer at the end of the service. Amen. Hosea chapter 6, I'm just going to read from one scripture here, and then we'll also read um, maybe from the book of Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. I'd like to speak to you here tonight on something that the Lord just gave me this morning, and um, <clears throat> I'm going to title this uh, this morning, this evening, and I actually have a PowerPoint, brothers, if you want to go ahead and have that ready, you can have that ready, I sent it, but I'm going to title this message, Broken but not bitter, broken, but not bitter. Hosea chapter 6, and just a real familiar scripture, just one verse from verse 1. Come, and let us reason unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. First Peter chapter 4, if you have just uh, quickly, if you could turn there. First Peter chapter 4, and we'll just read from um, one verse here. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Lord Jesus, we just bow our heads right now, Lord, before you, believing, Lord God, that you want to speak tonight. Lord, and I just want to say with an uplifted hand, and Lord, I want to hear, Father. More than anything, God, I pray that you would let my, vo my voice be silent, Lord, and the thoughts that I've put together, Lord, and the notes that I have here before me, the directions, the things that are pressed upon my heart. Now, God, I pray that you would help me, Lord, just to communicate, Father, to be able to transfer what you've given me, Lord God, and I pray that it would be a blessing. Lord, may it be a blessing to your children tonight, Lord. May it be a word in due season, Lord God. Father, may you come and just meet the needs of those that are in our body, my daughter, Lord, my dad, Father, both suffering with sickness and those maybe that I'm not mentioning now. I pray, God, that you would be near to them, Lord, be a healer. Lord God, we pray. Now, God, may you just come and take divine control of this service we ask. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. Bitter, but not bro uh, broken, but not bitter. I think it's so powerful, this statement that was made by Abraham Lincoln. And um, Abraham Lincoln said, uh, we're going to, if I can advance this good, said these words here. He said, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. 
You know, power can be a very strong uh, intoxicant. And we've, you, can, you can, I'm sure, uh, see that in the business world, in the modern world that we live in. When you give a person power and he doesn't have the character to fill that, it becomes like an intoxicant to him. It really reveals almost like nothing else the character of those who hold that power, how they acquire it and how they exercise it. It illuminates their character in a way that almost nothing else could. It is, you can look through history and you'll find that power has led to the downfall of individuals, nations, kingdoms, people, um, culture, all the way out down through time. Power that was abused and control that was given to people that they abused that power in such a way that they would subjugate people, even make them slaves. Incredible. Uh, the depravity of a man without character when you give him power. Power exercise what's with wisdom, the opposite of that, Amen. with the character that's behind that, has led to some of the greatest uh, golden ages of kingdoms. You think of men like David, who, as the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. And David was the king of all, king of all Judea. But yet, if you watch the way that God molds character before he gives power, it'll give you a clue into what God's doing in your life when he brings suffering. You see, it was through suffering, not through accomplishments, that David was going to learn to be a man after God's own heart. I'd like to just look at that here tonight, and it's really the way the Lord began to stir, and I know you got my title and say, Brother Matt, where are you going with this? Well, just hold on a minute, and uh, you'll see how closely uh, this actually relates together. But I'd like to just look here tonight about what is power when we say we want power. And I would say that without a doubt, I'm a believer, a Christian, and I would identify with any believer when I would, when I, and I believe I could say uh, in a pure way, I want the power of God in my life. I believe that I could say that to any father here tonight and, and any mother, and I could say it to any person that has children or you have uh, any kind of responsibilities, or I'll just go and say any needs in your life. And you could identify as a believer and say, I need the power of God in my life. But how does power come? And who does God give power to? Now, we know that we have power as children of God. I'm not preaching or teaching in any way on that. But we know that, that, that when you're born of the Spirit of God, Brother Brandon would say, your name is as good on the check as your father's name. We don't wait and we don't believe that there's some kind of justification and sanctification and, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and then the fourth work of grace where you become adopted and then you have power. We know that that's a mis, uh, uh, teaching, just a misunderstanding 
of Brother Branham's series that he preaches on the adoption series. And if you watch and you don't follow it closely, you could almost come up to believe that after you're born again of the Spirit of God and you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that that yet you still have to have some behavior to cap off, uh, you know, the seven virtues. And then after you've had some good track record of behavior, then God uh, adopts you. And now you're an adopted son. And we think that there would be a difference between, you know, a son who's filled with the Holy Ghost and then a son who's adopted. Well, we know that that can't be true, although uh, we're not preaching on that and I can't get bogged down on it. But one could easily, if you don't follow carefully what Brother Brandon was teaching, you could very easily come away with an understanding that after you've been born again, that you still need to go through some thing or some work to receive power. But what we know by the teaching of the Bible and through the teaching of the continuity of the message, when you're born of the Spirit of God, your name is as good on the check as His name at that moment. You say, Brother Matt, how could that be? Well, well you tell me if we were in a prayer line and, and there was brothers praying for a need, when I have to go over and say, well, this need, I need this brother. Could you come pray? I got the Holy Ghost, but I'm not yet adopted. I don't have full authority and power, but you are. Could you lay hands on them and pray? You see what kind of chaos that would be. Surely that's not what God means when he talks about adopted sons with authority and power. So we, 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 we know, but, but yet, let me say this, but yet, God doesn't just give power to anybody who asks for power. And so we have to run this through the entire continuity of the message. I want you to listen to what Brother Branham says here in the Smyrnian church age. Why? And he's talking about suffering, and he says, why does he stand by? The reason is Romans 8, 17, and 18. Read this with me here, not out loud, but just read it together. I got it in blue. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Brother Barnum says, unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. The reason for this is that character simply is never made without suffering. What a powerful statement that is. Character is a victory, not a gift. And a man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. Now, you can see the direction that I'm going here. I fully believe that as a born again, sealed with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have the authority from heaven. Brother Brandon would give the example of the little police officer. And he would say, now, that little man might be, you'd have to use the, Brother Brandon's Kentucky, his way of saying Kentucky English and saying he's, you know, uh, you know, soaking wet. He's no more than, you know, 65 pounds, little bitty skinny Barney Fife there on the side of the road. You know, and if he stood out there, you know, little bitty scrawny guy and tried to stop traffic while people would just blow right past him. But, but when he puts that 
badge on, that badge is representing that there's an entire city that's behind his word. And so behind that badge, in other words, it's not him who gives himself the authority or his stature or his ability or his talent, but his authority comes from who he represents that stands behind him. And so I fully believe that we've got all heaven backing us up, but, but, can I just stop here and say, Brother Branham would say, let me quote a prophet, power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. And since he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis that he overcame. Notice this is very important. Don't get lost in just reading it. And notice, since he wants us to share even his throne, God wants us, his bride, his body, to share his throne. Since he wants us to share his throne on the same basis that he overcame and is set down in his father's throne, then we have to overcome to sit with him. Listen as Brother Brandon breaks this down. And a little temporary suffering we go through now is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed in us when he comes. Oh, what treasures are laid up for those who are willing to enter into his kingdom through much tribulation. So we talk about power, but do we talk about character? We talk about having the power of God. And there's no one that would get in line if you had a big red button, the easy button, staples, I think it is button. Man, if I had a button up here that I could put before you and if you press that button, you'd have the power of God and, 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 and anything you ask would be done and you ask anything that you need. And if I said, if you just press that button, there'd be a stampede in this church on a Wednesday night trying to get up here to, to push that button. Give my children the Holy Ghost. I promise that those parents would be up here trying to hit that button. Heal my body, Lord. You'd be pushing that button as fast as you can. But what if God says before when you push that button, I want you to understand that in order to have the power, you must have the character. And in order to get the character, you've got to have a victory. And in order to get a victory, there's got to be a battle. And sometimes it's through the hardest struggles of our life and we question what is God doing in my life, what is happening in my life, and we don't realize it's the very thing we've asked for when we've asked God for more power. God says for more power, there's got to be more character. And for more character, there's got to be more battles. And for more battles, there's got to be a measure of suffering. Do we realize sometimes that this is the very place that God has to get us to, to a spot to where through suffering and through hardship and through tribulation and through trials, God is molding our character so that we're fit to rule with power to reign with him on his throne. You know, it's amazing how foreign this is to the world that we live in. And I could just, I'm just going to take just a moment and just give you a few examples of this uh, uh, here tonight. But it's amazing, uh, you know, when you think about the, the way that Jesus, even himself, 
was tempted and tried and tested and, and went through such you know, tribulation. And, and, and the, Brother Brandon would say, this is the way that you get character. You've got to come the way that Christ came. Uh, Brother Brandon would say, that, oh, 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 what treasures are laid up. Uh, he says, and the little temporary sufferings we go through now is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed to us when he comes. Oh, what treasures are laid up for those who are willing to enter into his kingdom through much tribulation. So I believe fully, entirely, that God wants us to have the power. God wants us to have the authority. God wants us to have faith. He wants to increase our faith. The disciples asked that and said, Lord, increase our faith. I'm asking that here tonight to say, Lord, increase my faith. To believe you, to take you at your word, to, no matter what comes and no matter what I see, Lord, give me the faith that stands the test and the tribulation that's unwavering. How many want that here tonight? Not a faith that shakes and backs down and retreats, but a, a faith that takes a hold of the promise of God. And I, I truly believe with all my heart, we've seen even in the ministry of God's prophet. We've seen a, a, a man who had the authority of the power of God so strong in his life. Such authority, such dominion, and such power. But I also can say that I've seen a man who went through suffering and torment and trials to get that kind of power in his life. A man who was broken but not bitter. Who went through some of the greatest torments and some of the hardest things. Friends, you know, I, I just want to say this here tonight because I just have been ruminating on it for the last few days here. You know, I, I, I fully believe, you know, I was talking to a brother just here just about a month ago and we were just discussing things about, you know, the ministry uh, that we've seen uh, in Luke 17, when we, when we recognize that Jesus would say, as it was in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, so shall it be. And, and, and the days of, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be. And the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And we were, we were just reminiscing over some of the things that the identity of the Messiah and the Messiah sign, the Son of Man ministry that we've seen operated in God's prophets, some of the most profound, powerful uh, things, things that, that never had happened uh, outside of the days of Jesus. And, and, and yet Jesus would say, greater works shall you do. And Brother Branham said, I always wondered what a greater, maybe it just meant greater in quantity. But, but Brother Branham, God corrected, the angel of the Lord corrected Brother Branham and said that. And so no, greater, notice the works, the miracles and the signs and wonders that you've seen in that ministry of the Son of Man through a prophet. Where Brother Branham would come to the message, the trial. No, I'm getting sidetracked, but just stay here with me for a moment. He'd come to the message of trial and he would say, he would preach. Preach about the, you know, uh, 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 the Mr. Skeptic, and, and, and he gives the different witnesses that he calls to the stand. And, he's, and you, you recognize, if you, if you really study the message and you listen to what Brother Branham is really preaching, he's actually putting the word that was being revealed through his ministry on trial. Listen, friends, it was Christ who was in Moses. And the people had an opportunity at Christ through Moses. And God permitted or allowed uh, that, 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 that Moses being a prophet of God, that, that pe people, they, they, he permitted that. But listen, it wasn't going to stay on Moses. It was going to move for Moses. 
But, but listen, when you rejected Moses, you were rejecting Christ. And how you viewed Moses is how you viewed. You say, oh, if I would have been back there in the days of Jesus, you know, I would have, I, you, I would have not been one of those in the crowd mocking him. I would have, I would have stood for him. I would, have, I would have defended the gospel. Oh, if I would have lived back in the days of John the Baptist. Listen, when the, when the, men, when the message came to John, to reject John was to reject Christ. Do you realize that? To reject Jeremiah, it was rejecting Christ. And notice, they, they would say, oh, Brother Branham would say, oh, you say, if I would have lived back in their day. But Brother Branham says, but let me tell you, what you do with the word for your day proves what you would have did back then. And I'll just go ahead and say here, friends, what you do with this message proves what you do with Christ. How you view this message shows to me how you view Jesus. I was free, Lord. I don't know where it came from. I, 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 I started just to say this. I believe all that. just want to put that out there. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that we've seen the sign of Jesus, the Son of Man, the ministry of the Son of Man, operating in the flesh, the badger skin of a prophet. And it's a precursor to what God wants to do in your flesh. And I'm all for that. I just want to make a distinction here and say, I believe that with all of my heart. But let me just stop and say this. I don't believe that was all that we seen was the power and the miracles. And everybody wants the power. And everybody wants the miracles. And, and you hear the discernment lines. Listen, I love them more than anything. I love some of the healing revivals and some of the, some of the discernment and some of the miraculous, the, some of the miracles. I'm all for the miracles. Do we have a church that's all for that? But let me just say the miraculous wasn't just the signs of gifts and, and powers, but it was the very nature of Jesus in a man. It wasn't just the phenomenal and the supernatural, but I believe that what we've seen in God's prophet was not just miracles and phenomenal, but I believe we've seen the very humility of Jesus in a human being. Amen. And let me just stop and say that if we can have all the miracles and we can have all the phenomenal, come on somebody, don't let me lose you. We can have all of the signs and all of the wonders, but if we miss the character, if we miss the nature of the lamb that came back on the, on the worshiper, then we've missed everything. If we have all of the power and all of the wonder and all of the authority and all of the phenomenal, but we're not broken into such a place to where we have a contriteness heart and a love one for another, then we've missed everything. Because what you've seen in a prophet was more than just miraculous through signs and wonders, but a man who had a, a right to get bitter but he wouldn't allow himself to get bitter. You had a man who was cut and, 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 and ostracized and criticized and had a right to be prideful, but he swallowed his pride. You've seen humility. You've seen love. You didn't see a critic. You didn't see a skeptic. You didn't see a bitter man. You didn't see a callous man. You didn't see a prideful man. I didn't see an arrogant man. I don't hear an arrogance 
Come on, somebody, help me preach tonight. I believe we've seen the very nature of Jesus Christ walking in human flesh. And maybe I'm the only one, but I'm here to say I am more desirous and craving of that nature than any miracle you can, I can see performed or witness. You say, Brother Matt, you don't want the miracles. I'm all for them. But the greatest miracle is that God could change me. That he can make me a person who loves my enemies. Forgive me if I'm a little extra passionate tonight. It's just so, so real to me. We see what happens through suffering, time-tested suffering. You know, there's a school, uh, uh, careful how I say this. There's a Holy Ghost college institution. And Jesus is the dean of that college. And it's a school of suffering. A school of a lot of That's why Jesus could be a sympathizer with you. You know, that's what the Bible English definition, we have a high priest who can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. It actually saying who can sympathize. The Bible speaks in Philippians, I think it's chapter three. It talks about the fellowship of his sufferings. To me, make conformable to his death. To know him, Paul would say that I may know him In the power, there's that word, power of his resurrection. And a thousand hands went up and said that I may know him in the power. How many are with with me here tonight? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. But can you keep your hand up and keep going? And in the fellowship of his suffering. I like that. It sort of sounds like maybe a fellowship, you know? It's like a group, like a club. The fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship, Philippians. The deep, oh, mysterious, unfathomable things that God's family's family has had to endure through trials and Testing and Jesus being the dean of that school created the curriculum. But let me just say this to you He went through that school himself, He'll never put you through something that He Himself did not walk through. And let me give you some further news He passed the test and He came out as an overcomer. And if He passed it, I believe I can too. If He made it, I'm gonna make it too. If he overcame, I'm going to overcome too. He proved it's possible to go through hell. I mean through tribulation, through all kinds of adversity. He proved it was possible even to go through death itself. Face it in the face and come out an overcomer on the other side. He suffered mental Anguish. This is what the Bible teaches you. I'm going to read you a lot of scriptures here. He suffered mental anguish. You think Jesus didn't know what mental illness was? He absolutely did. Suffered mental, suffered mental anguish, not just bodily. It wasn't just the lashes. It wasn't just the, the physical, you know, cat of nine tails. 
But long before the physical suffering that they put Jesus through, they, they, they put him through psychological abuse and verbal abuse and emotional distress and emotional abuse. He suffered rejection greater than anybody has ever suffered rejection. He suffered distrust. Uh, he, he suffered slander. He was abused. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He knew what it was like to be lonely. This is the school I'm talking about. This is what it means to be broken. He suffered loneliness. You ever been lonely? Jesus suffered loneliness. He suffered, he knew what it meant to be hungry, even hungry, without food. He knew what it meant to feel unloved or unlovable. And nobody wants you and nobody loves you. Is this hearing God's prophet say that just a, yeah, just a few days ago? And Brother Branham said, when I was a boy, I was just a, forget what, what did he call that? Forget what he, what he, Brother Branham said that calls himself, uh, it's a funny name. But he was just meaning that he was the oddball. That nobody was the weird person. He said even at school growing up, nobody wanted to be around him. He said no one really, growing up, he said no one really loved me. And you ever knew Brother Branham said that about his childhood? He said I was always the weird guy. And he calls it something in Kentucky English. And, and he says I was always, you know, just sort of the odd man out. And, you know, not really accepted. I wasn't really in. You know, in the end, he said I tried, but he said I was always, no one really loved me. Didn't have a daddy that loved me. And he said, but oh, but when I met Jesus, I found somebody that loved me. Jesus knew what it meant to suffer shame. He knew what it meant to be the, 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 the subject of, of, of jokes and ridiculing and laughing. I'm getting very real here tonight. But I want you to see that, 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 that in, his, to be, in order to be a high priest, he had to really be human. Brother Branham says, don't you ever let anybody tell you he wasn't God. He was 100% God. And don't you ever let anybody tell you he wasn't a man. He was 100% a man. He had a human will. He had human ambition. He had human dreams. He had man humanly desires. He knew what it was, was meant. He was called a liar. He was called a fraud. He was, he was called a false prophet. He was humiliated. His own family didn't believe in him. His own brothers mocked him, misunderstood him. His most trusted friends, like Peter, turned their back on him. Walked away from him. Friendless, forsaken, rejected, despised, mocked, ridiculed. Even his best friend did not even knew him. And finally, they spit on him. And then they murdered him. Imagine the suffering, all bottled up in one man. Broken, but not bitter. God announced beforehand, this is in Acts chapter 3, verse 18. This is powerful. If you have it, brother, sister, Esther, sorry. You could follow me, Acts 3, verse 18. I'm just going to read this from the NAS that I have here before me. God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that Christ, his Christ, should suffer. That he should suffer. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Aren't you glad for that, church? But one who has been tempted in all things. Somebody say all, all. things. 
as we are. Yet without, the Bible says, yet without sin. It's Hebrews chapter 4. Yes, thank you. Yet without sin. He was tempted in all manner, in all ways. Uh, even further, he would, he would go beyond that. And even, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have it here, and I'm, I'm, I apologize. I hope that I can pull it up just quickly. I, I, I had it here, and I think I lost it. Um, let me just pull it up quickly. I, I really felt to, uh, to read this. Um, um, thank you, Lord. This brought it back to my memory. I didn't have this up here, but I, I just want to read it to you. I don't think that I did. No, I didn't. Brother Branham says this. He says, oh, we read it. Oh, what treasures are laid up for those who are willing to enter into his kingdom through much tribulation. Think it not strange, brethren. This is, this is what, Peter, what Peter said. Think it not strange, brethren, when fire concerning the fiery trials that are to try you. Is it strange that God wants to develop Christ-like character that comes through suffering? Brother Branham asked a question. No, sir. And we all have trials. We are all tried and chastened as sons. Not one but goes through that. Now listen, friends. I I believe with all my heart that Brother Branham, in the Feast of the Trumpets, if you go listen to that message, if you watch through the message, Brother Branham would teach things throughout the 50, 58, 59, 60, even through the adoption series. And he would make comments like, you know, that, that, that there's coming a persecution that'll run us together. And when all these denominations, he says, all of these denominations will throw aside their differences and we'll all be one big, great, happy family. And Brother Bram says, there's coming a great persecution. They'll, be hunt, they'll hunt you down like dogs. But I want you to follow, if you study the message, you'll follow and feast to the trumpets. Brother Brandon, prior to that message, did not have the revelation of the trumpets which were revealed under the sixth seal, which was tribulation, which is how you would tie in God's family going through suffering physically to give their lives. You following me here? But in the Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Branham comes and says, I would have made a horrible mess out of it. The same way he preaches the seals. He says, I would have made a mess. But this afternoon, he says, before, this is before he preaches the Feast of the Trumpets. And he says, God corrected me and revealed to him that that persecution physically was coming to Israel physically, but spiritually to the church, to the bride. So in other words, Brother Branham clears that up in the Feast of the Trumpet. says, what kind of husband? You know the quotes very well. What kind of husband puts his wife through some kind of physical suffering? And Brother Branham completely, uh, uh, I should say the Holy Spirit, the angel, corrects his former teaching on a persecution, fleshly persecution, to to give our lives like the martyrs did under that ox anointing. But Brother Branham says, but it, what, they, what naturally occurs to Israel by those uh, demons that were released at the river Euphrates. And Brother Branham says those spirits got on men like Stalin, Eichmann, Mussolini, Hitler. And he said they physically persecuted the Jews, killed six million Jews. And he says, but notice what, 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 what was released to them naturally is given to the church ecclesiastically through spirits. So you say, Brother Matt, why did you say that? To show you, I don't believe for one moment 
that what's next for us is some kind of physical persecution. Brother Branham would say, no, sir. He was asked directly and questions and answers. And he says, Brother Branham, will the church have to go through that? No, sir. The next thing for the bride is the rapture. Thank God. But, hold on, Brother Matt. No, no, no. You just said it. Hold on. Hold on a moment. Don't run so far to that side that you end up in a ditch. Give me all the power. The power is released. We're the adopted sons of God. And God's wanting to give the power. I believe that with all of my heart. But do we realize how it comes? The power apart from character is satanic. Brother Manham says, think it not strange. He quotes Peter. And he says, notice this. The church that is not suffering is the kind of church I want to be in. Man, pastor, my dad just said, you know, online, that's hearty, amen. Church that's not suffering is not being tried. It just got better, brother Brad. Hasn't got it? It isn't of God. Let me go further. The family that isn't suffering. Hello? The believer that isn't suffering. Come on, somebody. You see, we have such an opposite view of a scriptural view of how real life we believe that leaders and people that influence us should be people that are perfect. I can only listen to preachers who never have any mistakes and their family perfectly in order. Listen, friends, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you some of the greatest sermons, and I'm not bragging on myself, what I thought was some of the greatest sermons, man, was so profound. I had this lined up and that lined up, and I walked away thinking, man, that was, uh, I got to say, that was pretty good, you know? It wasn't those sermons that I got the most response from people, but actually the sermons that I had suffered and lived and got transparent and talked about real battles and issues and things I had faced were some of the most effective sermons God ever had me preach. Do we realize sometimes we think that God wants, you know, that, that, that we, we shouldn't be wounded. Do you realize if you can become broken and God could break you, but you don't allow it to make you bitter? That you are actually more equipped for the job prior to the wound that came in your life. Do we realize sometimes it's the wounds that God allows to come into our life? Some of the hardships that we suffer, but Brother Matt, you don't know what I went through. You don't know what kind of things I've suffered you don't know what kind of hell, uh, you know, that I've had to endure in this life and what kind of physical ailments. Listen, what you don't know is how powerful of a witness your testimony now is if you are broken but not bitter. Amen. I sort of bloom, shot my wad there, but that's all right. Notice. This is, this is exactly where Brother Branham comes to. It was in the brokenness. It was in the hardships. It was in the trials. It was in the suffering. It was sometimes the greatest credentials you have to be effective is not your accolades of the things you've accomplished, but sometimes it's your greatest failures. 
in your life that God brought you through, that you stand back up to your feet, wounded, broken, but not bitter, that God could use you in a greater way and make you more of an effectual. What are you saying, Brother Matt? What I'm saying to you is that God wants to use your bruises and your scars and your hardships and your sufferings to make you an effective witness to somebody else to say, brother, I came through it and I made it. Sister, I went through it. We heard Brother Joe Howdashell get up here and preach a man who went through the loss of his own son. And I cannot even imagine. But let me just tell you, he's more effective today than prior to the bruise that came in his life. Listen, this is, this is Brother Brandon would say, let me make sure I don't miss this here. The church that isn't suffering hasn't got it, isn't of God. For whom the Lord, somebody help me here, loveth, he chasteneth. For who the Lord loves, he scourgeth every son that he receives. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards, illegitimate, and not sons. Now this, notice this, this is Smyrnian church age. I didn't have this, but listen closely. Now this special condition in Smyrna must be applied to every age. Hold on, Brother Matt, that was that Smyrnian church age. Well, I'm reading from a vindicated prophet. That special condition must be applied to every age. I wish I had this for you to read. Let me just put it in bold. There is no age free from it. There is no true believer free from it. This is of God. This is the will of God. It is needful. You say, Brother Matt, are you signing up for suffering? No, buddy. Both of my hands are down as tight as they can be. But here's what I realize. If I want power, I've got to have character. Can you say man tonight? We need the Lord. This is God's prophet. We need the Lord to teach us the truth. I love this. We need the Lord to teach us the truth. That we are to suffer and be Christ-like in doing it. Love suffereth long and is kind. Blessed are you. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5? When men shall revile you. But that's my moment to get back. That's my moment to get bitter. That's my moment to lash out. They did me wrong. Do you realize that was the moment, that was the circumstances that God orchestrated in your life so that you could exercise true power. Because true power is not being able to tell that person off, but to be able to look at them and say, that's okay. Not to their face, but in your heart, and you say, Lord, forgive them. Friends, let me just tell you, that's power. When you've been wronged and you did nothing to deserve it 
And you are justified as justified can be. And you know I did it absolutely. You don't know what they said about me. And if all I could just prove to you and what you, if you only let me just give you what happened. And, and they've made me out to be this. And they've made me out. Do you realize what they put on Facebook? And I know it was subliminal. It was meant for my family. And what they said about my child. What my child said. What this brother said. Oh, I didn't do nothing. Listen, friends, do you realize? That's your opportunity. To exercise true power. How many want it? How many can say, help me, Lord? Blessed are you when men shall revile you. Jesus says, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. They shall revile you and persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake Jesus says rejoice rejoice but I gotta get back don't you know my dignity don't you know my reputation ah that's most of the times my problem hello Jesus says rejoice and be exceedingly glad For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. Did you know that the cloudy skies in your life are no signs of God's disapproval? I said the cloudy, stormy skies in your life are not the signs of God's disapproval, neither are bright skies with sunny, big old blue clouds with the sun shining through it in big rays. And it's all, it's just perfect weather. Neither is that a sign or evidence of God's approval in your life. But your approval is only found in the beloved. Brother Branham says that. He says, and any of us, in the beloved his love is elective does he love us oh yes but how shall we know that he loves us we shall know because he said so this is exactly what the scripture teaches i know this is so opposite to the world and the modern world that we live in but it's exactly what the scripture teaches all the way out throughout the Bible. I'm, I'm at 824, so it's Wednesday night. I know. Do you just get, let me just have just a few more minutes. Notice this here. It was even the apostle Paul that Jesus would transfer that suffering. And Brother Branham, you notice we just read it this morning in church age. He's left a measure. He's left a measure of suffering for each age. He's left a measure of it for each age. And so he would transfer that. Even the Apostle Paul had a great concern because Jews had this thing with Jewish tradition. Uh, Jewish tradition because Paul knew his life was a spectacle. Everybody looked at his life. Everybody looked, watched him like through a, a fishbowl. They could see the thing. They could see his life in real living color. And, 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 and Jews had a staunch belief. They believed that, you know, that if God, uh, you know, that if a man went through suffering, it was because of uh, God's displeasure or his disapproval. That's why Job's friends immediately when he suffered pointed and said, oh, come on, Job. You know you did something in your life. You ever have friends like that? Those are not friends. Come on, Job. <laughs> come on. 
Fess it up, Job. What'd you do? What'd you do, Job? Come on, Job. Listen, this is exactly the Jewish mindset. You know, Paul, you must have did something. They believe that if, there, that, if, that, 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 if, that if there was any kind of suffering in your life, you know, boils was a sign of great, God's great disapproval. And they had every right to believe that because God would inflict them through sin, because of sin with boils. But in the new covenant, it was going to reverse. Come on, somebody. And the sufferings that you endured in the body were not a sign of disapproval but of actually discipleship of Jesus. Amen. Oh, come on, Paul. You know you did something. So you know what Paul did? Paul sends Timothy to, to the church at Thessalonica. And notice what he says here in, in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 3. He sends him and he says, so, so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions for you yourselves. No, this is 1 Thessalonians 3, 3 and 4. So that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we have been destined. Reading this out of the NES. We have been destined. Destined. I got a destiny. What is it? Affliction. Suffering. So that no man. This is what Paul tells Timothy. Tell them. So that no man is troubled. Make sure you reassure them that this is actually destiny at work. In my life. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know it. He says that also to the Ephesians I desire that you faint not at my tribulations. It was very easy to look at Paul, the church age messenger, and go, God, God, help that man, Lord, deliver him. He's your messenger. God, God, don't you realize the work they didn't realize? This was the hand of God in Paul's life. And so much that Paul even questioned himself and said, Lord, I, 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 why does this thing bother me and buffet me blow after blow after blow? And God says, Paul says, I asked the Lord three times. God, will you deliver, deliver me from it? You know what God said about that physical? Brother Branham said it was a very physical condition that he had to go through in his life really physically suffering. And Brother Branham says, you know what God told Paul? God, Paul said, Lord, will you take it from me? No. Lord, will you take it from me? No. Lord, will you take it from me? No. My grace is sufficient for you. But that's all? Lord, that's all? That's, that, do you see what kind of dilemma that put a person through? That's all, Lord. That's my only answer. That's the only answer you're getting on this side. Amen. There will be an answer to all questions but you may not have them on this side. But let me reassure you, one day, all questions will be answered. Job had to come to a place, do you realize Job went his entire life not understanding why his entire life, most people read the book of Job and they don't realize that. You go all the way through chapters 30 and 40, Job doesn't come to some place in his life to where God sits him down and says, you know, Job, Job, let me talk to you, buddy. Hey, Job, let me tell you something, okay? You're about to go through something in your life. I'm about to, I'm about to, 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 to send you through great suffering. And Job, so that you don't misunderstand what I'm doing in your life, I just want to go ahead and give you a precursor. I want to warn you, Job. Job, I'm about to take your children. I'm about to take your house. I'm about to take your family. And, and Job, but all of this is for a great purpose. It's for, it's for my glory. Job, I want you to understand everything you're about to go through. Does, did, did anybody read that in the Bible? 
Job, I want to explain everything that's going to happen in your life, everything you're going to go through so that it will all make sense to you. No, no, actually, Job went through his entire life on earth, never knowing, never knowing. God, why? I'm a man who loves you. I have a shoot evil. I, I, I respect you. I fear God. Lord, why? Why would you, why would you put, if anybody, let me just say it, friends, if anybody had a right to be bitter, it was Job. Job was broken, but not bitter. And when he began to get bitter, and he began to allow bitterness to settle down in his life, you see, you're not vulnerable. I'm sorry, you're not invincible. You're not immune from bitterness as a Christian. And when that bitterness started to come into his life, God sits Job down, and God says, Job, Job, I want you to understand something. And he gives him, I know I've preached on this many years ago, but he gives him two so powerful examples. And he says, Job, you're asking why did that happen and why did this take place in your life and why did you have to go through this? And God says, Job, I want you, God, are you going to answer? Are you going to answer my question? You know, Job said that. He says, oh, if I knew where the Lord lived. And he says, I'd go to his house. I'd knock on his door. And he says, and I know that when he would open the door, he'd sit me down and I know he would speak kind to me. I know that if I could find his address, I'd sit down with him and he would speak words of life. Nah, he wouldn't rebuke me. He wouldn't chasten me. He'd speak to me softly. Oh, has anybody ever felt that way in your life to where you said, oh, if I could just ask God, if I could have a moment with God and ask him, say, Lord, why did this happen? And why did that torment go through? Why did this sickness come? And why did that loss come? And why did this unexplainable happen in my life? What did I do, God? Job says, if I could only find his door, I'd sit down in his living room. God finally comes to Job, and he gives Job two examples, so powerful. And he gives him, he says, Job, consider, consider the, the, the behemoth. Like I looked it up. If you looked that up, that animal, it's like a hippopotamus, but a dinosaur version. Could you imagine? Hippopotamus, Caleb, me and you've seen them in South Africa. I mean, they're scary to look at from a four-wheel drive truck two stories up 40 yards away. I didn't want to go any closer. They kill more men in Africa than any other animal. Behemoth, the hippopotamus. This is the dinosaur version. You know, this is, this is the great, and God says, Job, this is what, this, you say, this was God's answer? This is how God cured Job's bitterness? Consider the behemoth, Job. And he says, notice, if you go read it, God says, notice in his plates, her iron and strength and his teeth, he crushes. And God says, but Job, can you speak softly to him and make him obey you? Come on, Job, if you speak real soft and gentle and tender, can you make it obey you? Then he gives him the example. He says, consider the Leviathan, which is like a crocodile. Job, I got a question. Can you put a ring? Can you go down to that alligator and, you know, you put a ring in its nose and then grab that thing by the nose and make it follow you? God says, Job, can you do that? <laughs> go read the King James. God says, I dare you, Job. Remember that battle. That's the words of the King James. Go down and try it and you'll remember. You'll never forget that in that battle. You know what God, God is doing? 
God is trying to get Job to understand something. There are, going to be, there are going to come bruises and wounds and things in your life that will break you and crush you and you think, how can I ever make it? But let this be your assurance. He'll never put anything upon you more than what you can bear. And he already knows how you're made. He knows who you are. He knows how much pressure you can handle and he'll never put more upon you. God knows what's inside of you and if he could let you realize that the thing that he sent in your life is to bring out something that he wants to bring out out of your life. It didn't come to crush you. It didn't come to destroy you. It didn't come to, to, to harm you. It came to break you, but not make you bitter, to make you a voice. Uh, listen, friends, the ministry of your trial would be greater than any sermon I can preach. If you can live a life through torment and suffering and sorrow, but come out not bitter, you'll be a greater weapon for the kingdom of God that'll help more people than I could ever reach in my ministry. God says, can you make them obey him? God says, Job, guess what? I can. And if you try to wrestle these questions in your mind, it's like wrestling with a hippopotamus, Job. And it will destroy you. And how many people have I watched, listen, friends, who tried to put the suffering of man and the love of God. And when you take it from a human rational perspective and you put it in, it breeds bitterness. It does. Bred such bitterness in Charles, uh, was his name Charles Fuller? I think was Billy Graham's best friend. Preached revival meetings with him. His best friend preached tent revivals. You know, uh, I went and traveled the country with Billy Graham. And, and, and was a preacher, preached the gospel of Jesus, preached Jesus saves, Jesus delivers, Jesus delivers, Jesus is a savior. He walks into a theater with Billy Graham. They're playing a, a little uh, a, a docu, a little, it was actually happening in real time in the 40s. Slaughtering Jews, just played some little picture show to watch these Jews being slaughtered by the Germans. And in Billy Graham's life story, he says, Charles, my best friend, walked in that theater, one of the most powerful evangelists the world had ever seen. He walked out an atheist. Because he allowed his human reasoning. You know what God tells Isaiah? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Don't ever try to bring your God's thinking down to your level. But as high as the heaven is from the earth, so high are my thoughts above yours. And you know what Job finally came to? Job never, oh, my brother, my sister, Job never seen him in his life. Job went his entire human existence not knowing why. But one day, God's prophet said when Jesus descended down, went down and ascended up to paradise, and he came knocking on the door. Job never got to knock on God's door, but God knocked on Job's door one day. And Job stood up to his feet and said, there he is. There's my redeemer. Though the skin worms destroy my body, yet I shall see him. What was it? All questions were answered in Jesus. They may not be answered in this life. Oh, but let me just preach to you here tonight what God gave me. If you could be broken but not bitter, God will use you in your life and use your testimony and the things you went through to shake the gates of hell. But you've got to trust 
your father, and he knows best. Brother Branham got to such a place even in his own life. Oh my goodness, I didn't get to my sermon. He allows himself to get to such a place in his life. It's uh, 837. Uh, can I get an, only if you really mean it honestly, can I get, can I get 10 more minutes? Give me an amen. If, if you don't want to give it to me, don't say amen. I won't listen. Thank you, Brother John. Brother Branham got to such a place in his life. You think anybody's exempt from this? I know I've preached on this here before, and I'm not going to take the time to read the quotes. It would, come, it would just take too long. But it's so powerful when you look at, here's God prophet in, in 1963 and standing in the gap. And Brother Branham comes to a place in his life where he had a, he'd been so broken. He'd went through so much suffering, so much rejection in his own life that, 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 that here, here he, he's talking about Brother, uh, Brother Roy and, and Brother Roy has a dream. And Brother Branham says, one night he woke up with this dream. And he, and he begins to tell Brother Branham this dream. He says, Brother Branham, we were sitting at the communion table. Here's this dream and we're at the communion table. And, and he says, and I was talking. And he says, and, and he says you know, he says, uh, you know, he says, uh, 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 I was talking to you. And we were at the communion table with the Lord. And, and, and he sends Brother Branham this letter. He's so troubled by this letter because he says, Brother Branham. And he says, in the dream, I, he says, I seen that great pillar of fire. And he says, came into the room at the communion table. And he says, and he says, that pillar of light came in and it got you up from the table and it took you away. And you went westward. Because he was sitting on the east side. Brother Roy was sitting on the east side watching. And he says, he watched, Brother Adam says, he watched me go west. And he says, this light came in the room and it grabbed him and it took him out of the room. And you say, my goodness, you know, Brother Matt, you know, uh, uh, surely this, you know, uh, this was, you know, this was, this was a dream that, you know, troubled Brother Roy. And Brother Roy says, I just screamed, Brother Branham, come back, come back. Lord, he says, I in the dream, I woke up crying, come back, Brother Branham. Come back, don't leave us. Uh, he says, maybe three or four o'clock in the morning. And he says, it's like a vision, it was so real. God, don't take him, bring him back, Brother Bill, Brother Bill, come back. But the light had taken him from the table. And Brother Brandon says, oh, me and Brother Roy, just real brothers. We hunt, we fish together. And he says, you know, he says, just, he says, went, he, Brother Branham, he says, I went hoarse in my throat, screaming, bring him back, come back. And he says, you know, I, he says, and he says, but here, he says, about that time, here come that same pillar of fire. And he says, that same cloud coming back and through the window. And he says, and it sets you, Brother Branham, at the head of the communion. Here's this dream. Brother Roy's trying to understand it. And he says, Brother Branham, but you were changed. You were changed. It was a mystery. Brother Branham says it was such a mystery to Brother Roy, me being changed to look different. Brother Branham takes a little sticky, standing in the gap, I think it is, or a little piece of paper. And he writes, he writes down these words, being changed. And Brother Branham says, I'm going to lay this up here on the pulpit. He's preaching, standing in the gap. And he says, because I want to come back to this. And he says, I want to lay this up here to remember being changed when I give him the interpretation of that dream. Brother Branham begins to go through his life and he begins to tell, you know, the story very well. He begins to tell about how that, he says, I, he says you know, he says, I, 
hey, Brother Fletcher Broy had this dream of me, and, and he says, and, and he says, you know, I, I just, and he, he begins to, he begins to be get so honest and so transparent in his life. And he starts talking about the way he viewed people. And he says, you know, he says, could you, friends, could you see a blind man, a man that was blind and couldn't see? And he says, could you watch that man go to a cliff, blind, not able to see? And he says, about to walk over the edge. He says, could you sit there and not open your mouth and not say anything and just watch him walk over the edge? And he says, oh, how cruel you'd have to be. How so indifferent in your heart. How bitter you'd have to be to let a blind man walk over the edge deliberately and not say anything. Brother Branham says, well, brethren, can I tell you, can I tell the whole world, I want to confess to you tonight, that's just what I was fixing to do. Say, a prophet got to such a place, so indifferent, so bitter from his brokenness. Brother Branham says, I've been preaching for years. I became an old man given my whole life for the gospel. And he says, an old, just became an old veteran preacher and it wasn't my lot to, you know, kiss the babies and bury the dead. But God had called me to yield, to take the two-edged sword of the word. And he says, and cut through, you know. And he says, but, but he says, maybe I, he says, I've, I've went through a lot of hard battles. And he says, and I've been scarred. He says, maybe I'm scarred, I'm cut cut up on the inside, you know, from fights. You know what is amazing? Is most of those fights was friendly fire. One of the most tragic, hard, painful wounds you can receive is friendly fire. People you thought had your back, thought they'd stand for you and Find out they had talked about you and ran you down. Now I've got a right to get angry. I've got a right to get upset, a right to get mad. He said, I've been so cut up from fights. I've been scarred. You know, people can hurt you in a greater way and, 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 and friends can hurt you worse than anybody. Family can hurt you worse than that. A loved one, someone close to you can cut you deeper than anybody. And Brother Brandon says, it just cut me so hard. You know, such a place I'd been cut deep many times in my life. And he says, you know, he says, I started just trying to make something up. And he says, I'm sitting there, you know, with my wife and there she's asleep and, and he's trying to concoct a plan. He says, you know, I'm going to take my wife up and, you know, I'm going to trap her into something. I'm going to, I'm going to trick her. I'm going to trick her and I'm going to take her up to, you know, to the, and he says, I'd always dreamed, you know, to, you know, to be a guide. He says, you know, I'd become a guide, would go up into the mountains and, and we'd live somewhere, you know, and it get back there with the Indians. He said, I always wanted to live up there in that kind of country. He says, you know, if the Lord wanted me to do anything, you know, he said, I'd be like Elijah, you know, a prophet come, come out of the wilderness, you know, with a big beard and thus saith the Lord and go back. He didn't have to live around people. You know, it's a lot easier life to not live around people because people could hurt you. And most people take that and they become introverted. They become antisocial. They come to church maybe, but they're not involved in church. Some of them go worse than that and they can't go to any church. They're just stuck at home, cut so deep, so, so broken. And the brokenness was of God, but the bitterness was never intended from the Lord. 
And they've lost confidence in preachers, lost confidence in pastors, lost confidence in people because they've been cut deep so many times. Cut so deep in their flesh. Brother Branham says, uh, he says, you know, he says, that's what I'll do. I'll just go there and dwell in the wilderness. And he says, you know, and he says, the people, he, Brother, Brother Branham was just reasoning all this within himself. Notice, notice, he wasn't coming up with some concocted plan. Bitterness, I'm not talking about sin. Listen, I'm not talking about, I'm just so, listen, friends, it's not bitterness. This kind of thing won't lead you to alcohol. Won't lead you to that. that, that that's a carnal heart that desired those kind of things. Brother Branham is not going to, to go into the world to go sit on a bar stool. In fact, he's still wanting to walk with the Lord. But he just wants to take a little detour. You know, it's those little detours that sometimes wreck lives. I'll still serve the Lord, but I'll just take this little detour, you know, in my life. And I'm not going to go... Listen, friends, I don't know where I'm at, but I know the Lord gave me this message here tonight. I'm more confident in that than probably two or three of the sermons I've ever preached in my life. I'm more confident God gave me this for tonight. But the Lord revealed it to me. You know, sometimes we so seek the will of God and, and obedience. I know obedience is such a boring subject. You know, obedience, it's not, not going to get a lot of shouts and amens, not going to rile people up. But do you realize sometimes the greatest success to your Christian life is in something so simple as obey? I'm, t I'm, pre I'm saying this from, from my own life. Sometimes it's just the simple obedience in your life that God's looking for. And sometimes it even comes to, to the channel when you're seeking the will of God. How many ever sought the will of God? Some of you might be seeking it here tonight and say, God, what do you want me to do next, Lord? I need the instructions. I need the instructions. What's the next step, God? But let me just give you a principle the Lord gave me. You can't expect God if you're not obedient to the step he's already given you. And you can't get that backwards. Sometimes you have to be obedient because one of the greatest things that will block the channel of guidance from the Lord is disobedience in the smallest things in your life. In the most small, I'm talking about things that you would say, come on, Brother Matt, you're really preaching against church attendance, preaching against paying my tithes, preaching against... Yeah, friends, some of those things, some of those things in your life, let me just stop and say this. You don't, you get those things wrong and it will clog the channel of guidance from the Holy Spirit in your life. God will not reveal to you the next step until you come obedient to this step. We want to get 10 steps ahead of God. Brother Branham, Brother Branham says, I'm just going to take a little detour and I'm just going to go, you know, I'll just go into the woods. And you say, Brother Branham, what, why? Because people won't listen to me. I've preached it and, you know, he says, I, he says I, I, they just won't listen, Lord. I've preached it over and over and they just won't listen to my sermon. They won't listen to what I'm telling them. They keep continuing doing the same things. I preach against it on this Sunday and they're in church wearing the same thing, going the same places, saying the same thing. The same. Notice what he was doing. He was questioning the results of, the, of, of his gift and the things that he could visibly see. And sometimes the greatest discouragement Satan will bring to your life is after you've sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed, but you don't see the results of what you're sowing. 
And one of the, one of the greatest dangers you could be in to, to abort everything you've sowed is to walk away with discouragement because you think what you're doing ain't making a difference. Let me just give you the words of the Lord. Keep doing what you're doing. It's making a difference whether you see it or not. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop telling whether you can see. Can somebody receive that here tonight? That's from the Lord. Whether you see it or not, God's doing something. Whether you believe it or not, whether it looks like anything is changing in them, hold on to your promise of God. Don't abort what God's done in your life. Don't let it make you bitter. You might be broken, but keep pressing on. Hold on to the promise of God in your life. Don't walk away from it. But they won't listen. I'll just stop it all together. I'll go up to the mountain. And, you know, I dreamed I was, brother, you know, Brother Brandon begins to tell this. His brother-in-law, Fletcher Broy, has this dream. And, 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 and he says, I, you know, I was dreaming. I was roaming out in the dark. And, and he says, I had no place to go. And nobody cared for me. And I'd just become a bum. And I was cold. And, and you know, he says, I looked in the distance and seen a fire. And, and he says, I got over there. There was, you know, the city dump. And Brother Brandon tells this entire story. And he, and he says, you know, and people were sleeping there trying to stay warm. I walked up to the fire. And he says, and it was laying full of bums. And I didn't see anything, but they all had stalls or places. And I saw my brother-in-law, uh, Fletcher Broy. And he says, you know, and when I woke up, before I woke up, Fletcher said to me, he said in the dream, he said, Billy, I hunt you a place, Brother Bill. And, and you feed my, you, you fed my children. Brother Brandon has this dream. Uh, got to correct that. And he says, Billy, I'll hunt you a place, Brother Bill. You fed my children. And you was a dad. I'll find you a place I'll keep, to keep you warm. And we kept walking by the bums places, finally come to a place. He said, I'll sit down here. He said, I'll walk up there and see if I could find a place. I walked up, looking dark, dark, cold night, and I thought, think of it. One time, God Almighty let me lead his church. One time, he let me preach his gospel and see souls saved. Men and women came from around the world to speak with me for a few minutes. And here, I am now a bum, and nobody wants me, and I'm cold. What must I do? Then I woke up. I woke up, I told my wife, I don't know what it means. Maybe Fletcher's in trouble. And he says, you know, maybe Fletcher's in need. So we hurried up and see if I could find him. His brother found him. So I came back down from Canada with Fred and them. And in my mind, you know, I in my mind, notice this, in my mind, in my mind, God didn't say this. Sometimes we attribute things that God told us, that God never told us. In my mind, I'd made up of these people didn't want to hear my message. All right, they didn't have to. I had preached now for 35 years, last 15 to 18 years. I've done nothing but just to the Lord. I live, try to live so close to him, not say a word till he told me first everything. Then I come down from Canada. Fred or Brother Roy told me his dream. And he and I, Brother Banks, rode along together just before we separated. And I say to the people, uh, let me just skip some of this. Uh, I'm just going to go to and you can just follow me. And he says, you know, if I live back in the wilderness there, I'll, I'll be his prophet. He wants to send me somewhere while he's not using me. I'm sure to catch some fine fish and do some, do some things. Not like a good plan, Brother Brad. Not going into sin, he's just a little detour. And he says, if he wants to send me, if he's not using me, then, you know, of course, that was kind of a selfish attitude because I wanted to do that. And it wasn't just exactly the things it's to do. And now I, I had that made up in my mind to do that. It's about four o'clock, I started driving, Billy was sleeping. And, we went into a place I was thinking on my mind, you know what, one of these days, as soon as I could get up, get my wife up there, I won't tell her what I'm going to do. I just get up there and I'm going to, you know, then, I'll, then I'm going to tell her, I love this place so well, no need of us going anywhere else. Let's just stay here and back from civilization, 1,100 miles from anywhere. See, see, way in the wilderness. 
None of y'all ever do that, do you? Something you want so bad, you make it sound so great. Won't that be fine? I won't have to get a haircut. I won't have to dress up. Don't you boys get any ideas now? I'll be a regular mountaineer. What I always wanted to be. You say, Brother Matt, was there anything wrong with that? Inherently, nothing sinful about that. But it was that slight deviation allowing bitterness to control him through his brokenness that would have aborted the very plan of God for his life. Brother Branham says, oh, I was thinking on that. And then a voice spoke to me and said, carry out your plans and you'll be like that. I said, Lord, no, hold on, Lord. I don't, he's thinking about that bum. He says, Lord, I don't want to be like that. The voice said, your wife will go too. She won't live up there in them hills like that. and You'll become a bum just as the dream showed you you would. Friends, I just want to say this the way it affected me. If you do not cherish or value the gifts that God has placed in your life, God can remove them. And God can replace you from a destiny he had for you. If we do not value, listen, this is what was going to happen to Brother Branham in his life. God wasn't going to say, I love you so much. I love you so much. I, 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 I have so many plans for you that I'm not going to allow you to do that. No, God says, I'll allow you to do that. In other words, I'll replace you. You'll be a bum and I'll find somebody else. And friends, I just want to say this today. We should be conscious of what God's given us because at any moment he can take it away. We should be gracious. Don't ever let me get to the place to where I'm so complaining about everything in my life that I don't realize how good I really have it. Oh, we ought to thank God here tonight and say, God, don't ever let me be a complainer. Don't ever let me get bitter over what I don't have. Let me recognize how much grace you've given me in my life. Because at any moment, God says, I can remove the candlestick from your midst. You should thank God for the mercies he's given you in your life. Brother Branham gets to such a place because he had allowed such bitterness. I know we got to close. He allowed such bitterness to come in through the brokenness. He says, I'd call them Rickies and Rickettas and it sass the word of God. Notice, notice what, I want you to notice, I don't want to miss this. Brother Branham begins to tell how that he called him Ricky's and he shouldn't have in his attitude. He says, I've lost my feeling for people. I've allowed the brokenness that God sent to make me so bitter that I developed a complex in my life. I developed a complex. And he says, you know, I called him Ricky and Riquetta. God give me to understand I shouldn't do that because many of them are his children. Some of these old cold formal churches has them, the spirit upon them. They're in as much prison as Israel was in prison. Just as much as Moses went down to deliver them from slavery. Human beings that loved Jesus Christ would serve him if they only knew what to serve him by. And they're in bondage under denominationalism that tells them, don't you do this and don't you do that. But the call of God must come. Oh, and I wanted to bring this to you 
so that you would see and show you the mistake that a man can make yet being sincere. Moses lost the feeling for the people because they wouldn't listen. And Brother Roy, Brother Roy, you see your dream? Hold on. Hold on, Brother Matt. That dream had a communion table. It had that great pillar of fire. Brother Brandon went westward. I know surely, surely it's something to do with the seals, something to do with the thunders. Surely some great mystery that Brother Roy was dreaming about. Hold on a minute. What was the communion table? Was it about him going and opening the seals, going westward? Listen, Brother Roy, you see your dream, and I cannot go with a ministry like that until I feel different in my heart about it. No matter if God, no matter if God did tell me, but that is that change. So you mean the change? that changed him so much that it placed him at the head of the communion table was not some great ethereal revelation, not some great knowledge, that God's not some great supernatural miracle, uh, outward phenomenon, but it was actually the miracle that needed to take place in his attitude and in his heart. Then we see, friends, what God is wanting to give us is character. It's fit to rule. We want power, but do we want character? Brother Branham says, that's that change that Brother Roy seen coming. I just want to give you an opportunity here, as you can display that next slide. I want to give you an opportunity, you that are online, you that are here, to raise a hand and resonate with these words. Something's got to change me. More than anything in my life, Lord, I want you to know I want to be different here. I don't want to allow my brokenness to breed bitterness in my life. It's not, listen, friends, you will have a thousand opportunities in your lifetime to become offended. You will have a million chances to be upset. You'll have a thousand opportunities to allow someone to hurt you, someone to make you bitter. It's you can't control, listen to me, you can't control what comes in your life, but you can control how you respond to what comes into your life. There is something so powerful, musicians, if you could come, just come and play something softly for me as we're out of time. I had so much... Well, that's all right. I think we've said enough. There's something so powerful. You know, I, I heard a man give such a powerful illustration, and I could, wish I could just play the video for you of, of it. It was so profound to me. He talks about this something. I'm not a botanist or any, any kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, know any kind of thing, so don't, don't correct me if I get one of these terms wrong. I mean, I know my heart, not what I know. What I mean, not powerful. What makes a plant grow? Are you listening to me? Can I have just a minute while they're about to? I got the musicians up here to stop me, so we're gonna stop. There's something so powerful about what makes a plant, little flower, little plant, grow. 
say, what makes that plant grow? And it's, it, it's, if you look this up, you can look it up. It's whether it's a tree or a flower or a bush, and it's something called meristem tissue. So, so beautiful the way God designed things, growth. And it's called the meristem tissue. There's a meristem line uh, on every living tree, everything that lives, whether it's a plant. But at the base, at the, at the very base of that tree where the roots are, not what you see above the ground, but what's below the ground, what you can't see. There's something called meristem tissue. It's, it's a meristem line at the base of that tree. And it's where it goes into the ground. And that meristem tissue is what receives the, the, the nutrients. It, it's what divides those nutrients. And it causes that plant to, 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 to grow, to push out. It's, it's how it receives that meristem line receives every nutrient, all the sun and everything that comes into its life. And that meristem, in that meristem line, it's like the brain center that makes the decision. It's making the decision to say, oh, you'd, 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 you'd make a leaf or you'd make bark or you, you know, you'd make a pink flower. And it's, it's receiving, notice it, 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 all it does, it can't control what comes into it. But it's got to make a decision on what it's going to do with what it receives. Are you following me here? And it makes a decision at this meristem line. And it divides and it calls the plant. Don't, it's a miracle really how God made it and how it works. But, it, but, it, but it's basically, it's, it, it takes, it causes that part of the tree to grow up. And, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and if you look well enough and close enough, it looks like a little knot, maybe in a tree, just a little bitty knot that you would see. Sometimes it's in a different color in a tree. And if you cut the tree down and look at the bark, you'll see these different colored lines that, that go through it. It's, it's, where, it's where a decision was made at such a small stage. A decision, a choice was made in that little plant. A decision in the, in a, in a made in a particular spot where the plant takes what it's given and determines I'm going to use this because I've been given it and I'm going to use it to cause me to grow and to push out and to push up. Listen, friends, you can take the things that God gives you and sins and life will send your way and you'll either choose to let it lift you higher or bring you down lower. You can watch people go through the very same sorrow and one of them gets better and one of them gets bitter. One of them takes it and lets it grow and they become a powerful testimony and another will take the very same trial and allow them to make them bitter and callous and cranky. The very same thing. But the decision is made. This is so powerful. The decision is made at this meristem tissue. What's amazing about it, it goes to point out, is that it's the very thing, the meristem stem, meristem line, is the very same thing that, similar to the cells of stem cells, the meristem and the stem cells in a body that makes the decisions. What does that stem cell do? It's making the decisions for the, from the nutrients that it's receiving from its mother. And the nutrients coming into that baby's body. 
And, 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 and that, that, that stem cell makes the decision, you know, this would make a good heart. That'd make good eyes. That'd make good hair. That'd make a bone. That, that, this, is, this is our God. This is how God made our body. And it makes the decision based upon the nutrients that it's receiving into its body. And it decides to make things out of it. You'd make a good eye. You'd make a good ear. You'd make a good ear cell. You'd make good hair. You'd make good teeth. But you know what's amazing about science is that they said that the cells that don't get identified become dangerous cells and can actually multiply into cancer and bad cells. You say, what, Brother Matt? The things that it fails to identify and say, I'm, I'm going to take you. And as Joseph said, what you meant for evil you realize the power, what real power is, friends? When Joseph could look at his own family, his own brothers, and say, you intended this for evil. I'm receiving something, but I'm not going to allow it to take me down. I'm not going to allow it to give me cancer spiritually. I'm not going to allow it. Come on, somebody help me here tonight. I'm not going to allow that trial to affect me in such a way that it robs my praise. It robs my joy. It robs my happiness. It makes me a cranky person. I might have went through it, but I'm going to allow those things in my life to make me a better person, not a bitter person. How many would stand to their feet and say, Lord, I make a choice today to be broken, but not bitter. Oh, hands all up all over the building. I don't want those things. Listen to me, friends. Those cells that it doesn't identify become dangerous cells. Notice as he goes to point out, it's so powerful. It's not what's coming in. It's not what's coming in. You can't control what comes in. But you've got to make sure you put it in the right place. The Bible says you take every thought that is contrary to the Word of God and bring it subject to the Holy Ghost. I said every thought. Take it captive. They lied on me. They, they did this. Take every thought captive to the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't, and you allow that to grow a root of bitterness in your life, it will abort the very thing God sent it to do in your life life. The body can't control what's coming in. It can only make the choice of what it does. The decision is made with the nutrients that are coming in. What am I going to do? Am I going to allow this to give me more faith? Or am I going to allow it to put a fear in my life? Could you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Second Corinthians 2 says that the gospel that is preached is a savor of life unto some and a savor of death unto others. The very same word that blesses also curses. It's all in how you receive it. Friends, I didn't get to preach really even a scratch the surface on what I had here before me. But I know that what the Lord said tonight was directly directed at somebody. And I want to tell you tonight, tonight's your opportunity to let go of that bitterness.
and say, God, I'm not going to allow what I've went through. I'm going to be honest enough to say, raise a hand and say, God, I need something to come and change me on the inside of me, on the very core fiber of my being, Lord. Change my attitude. Come on, somebody. That's how simple it is. You want real power? This is real power. Change my attitude towards that person. Change my attitude towards that problem. Change my attitude towards what they said. Change my attitude towards my circumstance. Let me look at it like Jesus looked at it. Let me look at that trial and that tribulation and that suffering in my life. Don't let it make me bitter, Lord. But make me stronger. Make it increase my love. Make it increase my sincerity. Make it increase my joy. Oh, I believe the Lord wants to do it right now. You just raise a hand and be sincere before Him. The Holy Spirit's a healer of broken hearts, and I believe He's here to heal tonight. Let Him heal that. Don't hold on to that anymore. You got to let it go. God sent it to give you character. God sent it to grow you. I know you may not realize it, but, but, but with, that, with that trouble that came in your life, if you allow God to use that, it'll be used as a tool to set somebody else free. You choose what you transfer on to your children. You choose what you transfer on to your spouse. You choose what you transfer on. And I just want to say, Lord, I... I got a choice. I Maybe you have a right because you didn't have a daddy. Maybe you didn't have a mama who loved you. But you can stop that, that generational curse uh, with the power that God's given you. You can say that doesn't give me the right to pass that on down. But I'm going to stop it in its track and say, God, it may have happened to me. But I'm going to use what the devil intended for evil. And I'm going to let God bring good out of it in my life. If I was rejected, that means I'm not going to reject somebody else. I'm going to give them acceptance and love. If I was abused, I'm not going to hurt somebody and abuse them. I'm going to show them what real love is. I'm not going to allow that situation that came in my life to make me bitter and a bitter person. But I'm going to allow it to become a weapon in my life. Oh, friends, you might have held on to it for years. But tonight, freedom is here in Jesus' name. Freedom, can you can let go of the curse that God, that Satan has tried to put on your life. And God can take what has been a curse to you and bring it one of the best, greatest blessings out of your life. If you'd humble yourself. God, I humble myself tonight. With every hand that's up, Lord Jesus, maybe I just preach this right to myself, Lord. And that's all right. Oh, God. We want more, and you want to give us more. But Lord, do we realize this is how it comes? No, we want the great, phenomenal, but the great miraculous. Lord, I love it. I've seen you do it. I've seen you heal cancer. I've seen when doctors have given up on people, but you. You had the last word, Lord, and you turned it around. I've seen you do some of the great miraculous. But God, here I stand today with my hands raised, saying, Lord, I need you to do a greater miracle in my heart than you could ever do in my flesh and my life. I need you to do a greater miracle on my mind 
on my spirit at a very human level, Lord. Take away, Lord Jesus, any root of bitterness that would spring up in our hearts. Might have held on to it for years, Lord. May we realize we'd be honest. We'd be real honest before you tonight. Lord, we failed you so many times in our life. But somehow, somehow, some way, Lord, we're still here. We're still pressing the battle. We're still going on. Lord, and I pray that somebody here tonight would receive courage maybe to step out of that tomb of bitterness that's bound them and restricted them. Maybe someone streaming online, I don't know. Maybe someone who will listen to this later. Maybe they've held on to it from a child. Abused, maybe neglected, Lord. Maybe never had a right example And so they've allowed that thing just to transfer. As the saying says, hurt people, hurt people. But oh God, I'm so grateful. The grace of Jesus is greater. I'm so grateful, Lord. I raise my hands and say, the grace of Jesus is greater. The grace of God is greater than any hurt I can go through. Oh, Lord, the crosses in this life are many, but the blessings far outweigh the suffering in our life. The trouble and the torment and trials we go through, oh, as Paul said, are but a light affliction compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. God, your benefits are greater than any trouble and, and suffering I have to go through in my life. As David said, forget not his benefits. Tonight, Lord, I just raise my hands and thank you for your grace. That in any moment I could have given up, but you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let me walk away. You wouldn't let me get bitter. You wouldn't let me take me down a road of callousness and callousness in my heart. But you wouldn't let it go, God. Lord, I pray that you'd let every child, every son, every daughter, or that's been broken, been wounded, been hurt, been bruised, been tattered, been beat up maybe by something that they didn't have any didn't have any part in it, didn't deserve it, didn't, Lord, could give every reason why that shouldn't have been them and shouldn't have been somebody else. And may they realize, Lord, that it's the greatest weapon the devil has to try to hinder them, try to detour them. But God, if we'd only realize that nothing comes in our life without the permission of our Heavenly Father who knows us best whether we know ourselves or not, You knew what kind of home we should have been in. You knew what kind of family we should have been raised in. You knew what kind of church, kind of ministry we'd have over our life. God, you're in control of it all. May we recognize the moments, Lord, where we could exercise the greatest power in our life is when we could have the character of Jesus who could say, blessed are you when men shall revile you speak evil against you. And you could be glad and greatly rejoice. Help us, God.
Help us, Jesus. In the presence. Could we sing it one more one time before we pray? Oh, Jehovah. Yes, God Almighty. Oh, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. Be troubled. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, as you come, as you gather now. In the presence of Jehovah. Oh, yes, God Almighty. The Prince Yes, they will. Hearts are mended in the presence of the King. Keep playing that for me. Wow, we don't have any that I see. Uh, prayer request. Let me just make sure I update. This was, yeah, January. Okay, so it says now from Sister Amber. Um, is this tonight, Sister Amber? Is that correct, Sister Amber Smith? This from tonight, Brother Tony? I think it is. My sister Rachel is requesting the church to remember her in prayer. She has some important decisions coming up and needs the Lord to move. Just want to make sure this was updated. Yes, January 31st. So that's our from our sister Amber Smith. We want to be remembering also my dad. Um, Lord gives them a speedy recovery. And also my daughter, my mom and dad were supposed to go to North Carolina to visit my papaw, but um, they had to postpone that trip. So just pray that the Lord brings a healing. Amen. Wonder, we don't have any other needs that I have. Anybody that didn't get time to write it in, I don't think I've got, um, think I've got anything. Make sure nothing came in um, on here. Maybe something you just tonight just want to say Lord help me tonight I got my hands up why don't you just raise them up and say Lord Jesus God you know my heart Father I believe Lord that you predestinated us before the foundations of the world that's what we're told in your word Lord you said in the word think it not strange when fiery trials are to come to try you knowing this that it's those things Lord those things that we question, those things that we wonder. The trial of our faith is more precious than gold. As Job got to a place in his life 
and he couldn't find you in his life. He questioned and he questioned and he questioned and he said, oh, I go forward and he's not there. I go behind and I can't see him. I look up and I can't perceive him. Job got to such a place in his life, Lord. He was looking for you and he couldn't find you. But one day, Job finally got his revelation and he said, although I may not be able to see him, I know that he sees me. He sees the way that I take. Lord, and that's our confidence here tonight. We may not feel you. We may not. Maybe we do, but maybe tonight we're at that place, Lord, where we can't see you. We can't feel you. We, Lord, we can't perceive you. We've sought you. We've asked you. But let our confidence raise a hand and say, I know that he sees me. I know that he knows the way that I take. And when Job said, he hath tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Not bitter, broken but not bitter lord help us jesus help us realize god that we have the choice at that place in our heart to take what we've been given and choose to make it make us better grant it lord jesus i pray we pray for sister amber lord this request she's turned in god for this family member looking for decision and guidance Lord she has some important decisions God I pray that you'd be her wisdom be Lord God her understanding you said that's what the Holy Spirit is it's a teacher it's a it's a it's a it's a schoolmaster it teaches us it guides us the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you the footsteps of the righteous are order of the Lord grant it to her Lord Jesus to every heart touch my father touch my daughter Lord I pray that healing virtue would flow Lord we've got faith we feel it in this building tonight Lord, so we're just going to ask right now, God, would you go on the wings of this prayer and touch them, Lord, in their body. Satan, we rebuke you from any sickness you want to bring to our church or the families in this assembly. God, may your shield of mercy and protection be a wall of fire around us. We ask it now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You love the Lord, Jesus. Amen. I want to sing a song, and I'm probably going to get myself in trouble because I don't even know the words. Um, uh, there's been a, a change in me since, since Jesus set me free. I've been to Calvary. I've been born again. I cannot turn around. My feet are on solid ground. Someday I'll wear a crown. Oh, what a change. Has there been a change in you since Jesus set you free? There's been a change in me. Since Jesus set me free. Am I singing that right? I've been to Calvary. I'm born again. I cannot turn around. My feet are on solid ground. That's too hot. Someday I'll wear a crown. Change. Let's change. Okay, there's been change in me. Sing it out. Since Jesus set me free, I've been to cow. Now that's too low. I'm born again. I can't turn around. My feet. Someday I'll 
want to change. Let's go up. We'll get it. Somewhere, sometime. I want to sing in the high rock. So let's sing. I can sing high. We go back to where we were. I'll break the windows. Changing me since Jesus set me free. Come on, clap your hands. To Calvary. That's good. I've been born again. I'm born again. I 
Oh, oh, oh.